Lee Whitehorn, 44 years of age, father of two, married to Laura, siblings, Luke, Jay, Rachel and Jane. Uh, one father, two mums. That's me in a nutshell, footy coach. I, I look at myself as just the average, everyday, run-of-the-mill bloke. Why am I here today? Um, to talk about my diagnosis um, that I received, oh, not great with dates, but I'm going to say about six weeks ago. Um, and I was diagnosed uh, initially with a lesion, which I think is a nice word initially for a tumour or cancer. And I was diagnosed with a diffused glioblastema. To kick us off, you had a question, Lee, for Jay, didn't you? Well, I mean, there's a lot of confusion um, around our uh, last group of uh, messengers um, where I confessed my love for you and didn't get a response. Um, and you... But only to find out later that it was actually a message that was meant to go to my brother. And um, <laughs> what was even worse out of, out of all of that was I thought, my actual brother didn't respond to me with the fact that I just told him that I loved him. He's giving me that. So, okay. I have a few questions. When did you email this and did you do it via WhatsApp or just was a text? It was a text. Um, yeah. yeah, it was a text, but it was, you had just sent me through a message, I think, to say, hey, hi, you know, hope everything's going well. And I was like, and it was a bit later in the evening, like you must have just finished some work or something. And I responded thinking it was Jay, my brother. And I was like, do you know what? I haven't got time to talk at the moment. So I'm just going to um, send him a message and say, love you. Uh, let me read the message. Let me read the couple of messages first, and then you tell me okay. whether this felt like it needed a response. Luke, I mean, you're great at mm. HR, so okay. right here you go. So the first message from me was um, was thinking of you today, mate. Hope you're well, Jay. Okay. So that was sent at twelve forty nine on Thursday, the twenty sixth of May, at nine twenty eight p.m. that same day. Mm. Yeah, a bit of time later, but that's okay. <laughs> I get, yeah, buddy, I'm all good. Love you, miss you. Oh, that's nice. But that doesn't profess his love for me. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, responding to your text, everything's good. <laughs> but You are so embarrassed. Well, it's, I mean, you know, from a bloke's perspective, it is almost a, a profession of love, isn't it? Like to say, you know, it's very Aussie to just say love, love you. you. Yeah. So, to be fair, you don't get yeah. too... You know, oh, yeah. too many of them. So if he is throwing a love you in it, you know, he's okay. either had a few drinks yep. or he genuinely means it. Okay. Well, and I just feel bad for your brother now. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I need to text Jay and say, hey, Jay, by the way, Lee said he loves you. <laughs> and it, yeah, well, I was, a bit, I was a bit upset with him because he's, um, he's quite a giver of the uh, comment of um, love you and, and so forth. He's very, particularly with me. So to not get a response from him, I thought, oh, Oh, well, you know, I won't hold him to account for this. That's that's okay. Hey, Lee, love you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Love you too. Sorry, what'd you say? <laughs> yeah, mate. Don't ask for it. Episode three. Welcome. My name is Luke. I'm here with my wonderful brother, Lee. How you doing? Uh, good. Very good. Just enjoying a coffee and, um, and enjoying the fact that I just ate a potato and meat pie for breakfast. <laughs> Beautiful, do you know what? Breakfast of champions. And sat next to a rather beautiful woman there. My gosh, who is joining us today? Oh, I don't want my wife to find out about her, so I can't really reveal her name, but her name's Laura. <laughs> Why? Oh, my wife. 
Hello. How you doing, Laura? Hi, welcome. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us on on what is episode number three. I know it's been uh, it's been quite a while since we've caught up, but uh, as we've put on the socials, there's been um, quite a bit going on. So we thought now would be the time to uh, to connect and to have a conversation and to see kind of where we're at. But I'm I'm looking back to when we last caught up, and that was around the F45 fundraiser. So it was like back in. April. Where are we now? June. It's been it's been a little while, guys. Just just been a hot minute. What's the latest? Where are we at? What's happened since we last spoke? Give us a a bit of a, a rundown, and then we can find some. Um, what do you want to start with? Just straight up onto the um the the chemo and the tumor and the cyst and yeah. wow. Well, mate, you're telling the story. I, I'll just look, <laughs> I have to just say things as they go because obviously um in my current situation uh. I, my, my memory, uh, you know, in terms of short-term memory, I'll miss some things. So if it comes out, it's because I just have to say it while I've got it there because there's every chance it will disappear for 10 minutes before it comes back again. So, um, Fleeting. So, These things are fleeting. Yeah. And by now I've already forgotten about what I'm going to speak about. Right. So let's even, let's just, let's just land where we are right now. So right now we're having a conversation because we are a matter of what, less than a week away from going in for surgery. So how did we land here? Tell us, tell, update us with where the, the latest story is. I guess part of the lot of the process of meeting with um, oncology and so forth on a monthly or a basis is just them just checking where you're at. Um, and the same with, um, to the best of my knowledge anyway, when they're treating people with um, matters that are the same as mine, is um, they just want to see where you're at. And, and how you're coping and um, uh, and whether or not your functionality and so forth and I guess your cognitive skills and all that sort of gear are remaining in the same sort of place or whether there's any significant differential into uh, your memory, uh, behaviour, um, a whole range of different things. So they just want to look at you each time they meet and then work out whether or not they have to then take whatever the next course of action is, um, which um, may get to a point where it's surgery. So, which can be for a whole range of uh, reasons, Um, surgery and uh, with mine, predominantly over, oh geez, since the initial surgery has been, the only thing that's been growing is the cyst um, in my brain and Started back at football this year, or actually end of last year at Port mm-hmm. Districts. Mm-hmm. And um, over the last couple of weeks, uh, probably the first thing I picked up, which is really embarrassing, and I hope none of the boys that are actually that I've coached to, are listening to this, but I was running a drill a couple of weeks ago and uh, I just couldn't quite catch the ball on the left hand side as quickly as I'd like to. And I thought, well, that happens when you get old. Um, I don't like to admit that, but that can happen. But then I was like, no, that's not that because a week ago I was completely fine in that space. So, and then obviously having um, my super wife, when I came home and said I'm not 100%, she was straight into, okay, these are the people that I need to speak to and touch base and find out what we need to do and so forth. And next thing I know, I've got um, a quick appointment with... Uh, oncology to just run through where I was at and, and do all that sort of stuff and ask some questions and then 
from there everything sort of um yeah he ordered the scan and um and everything sort of just started to escalate from there i guess in terms of um right we need to i went and got the scan but i didn't get it where i would normally get it done so um and the place that i went and got it done at they've obviously seen the scan and then didn't have all of the information behind it as to the history of what was going on with my brain and the the growth that occurred in there and so forth and then um when they saw it they and i remember the guy actually looking at it when we were there <laughs> he freaked out like he'd just seen i don't know the apocalypse open up in my brain and he was just uh, freaked out and uh sort of freaked out a little bit in front of me and i thought geez obviously something significant has changed here because this guy's quite panicked and um Anyway, we, we then left and we went home and then I got a phone call. We got the kids and I was like, okay, well, this is okay. And then just as we're getting the kids, we get a phone call and they're um, contacting me at the hospital to say, can you come back, please? And I'm like, well, it's actually not that easy for us because we live the other side of the city, just picking our kids up. Um, and she said, yeah, we need you to come into emergency because of um, your previous scan effectively. And so, anyway, lucky enough, um, got the kids looked after, etc. Rushed back to emergency, which, without knocking emergency, there's obviously a lot of emergencies in there, and then there's a lot of interesting characters that are in there um, looking for certain things and treatment. Uh, and then there's us there, legitimate people with a brain tumor, uh, mm. asked that we've been, you know, to rush and come in and have this looked at. So I don't quite often, well, uh, very rarely, I guess, to get panicked or, but I was quite stressed. Um, we didn't know anxious, why. Because I didn't, didn't know why. They, yeah, they didn't say why on the phone when they called. They just said, we need you to come in now. Yeah. Um, don't drive. And we said, well, I haven't driven in a yeah. really long time, so that's fine. Yeah. So just give some perspective to it for, for people who maybe even just dive in from this point. We have got the tumor over time. We've had a cyst. The cyst has been growing. We got the cyst from radiotherapy. It has continued to grow. It's got to a point now where you're now seeing some impact to your functionality. So, you know, having some issues at, at football, there's also been some real, you know, some issues around vision, you were saying, which we can go into. And so then that's led to predominantly having, vision, predominantly vision. So that's then led to having yeah. this, uh, call which went in for a scan scan happened to be in a different place to, to normal hence they've picked up on something else and now you're back in emergency doing an emergency kind of mri to check this out yeah I, effectively they didn't pick up on anything new they just didn't have the full collective uh, uh documented information i guess in relation to what had already been happening um and so 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 during the week, on the Tuesday, I'd emailed the oncologist saying, like, leave now, saying that he's worried about his vision and there's been a few other things that I've noticed. And he said, do you want to see me earlier? Because we were due to see him in two weeks. And I said, yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, so we go in, see the oncologist on the Friday. He looked at Lee because there was a noticeable difference in his eyes and um, yeah, a few other things. 
um, he ordered the CT and said, you can get it done here at the hospital. I'll be waiting for the results um, and I will speak to neurosurgery straight away because once it starts to affect the vision, these are the symptoms we've been waiting for in order to be able to justify surgery on the cyst. So, um, so then we did the CT closer to home on the way home and um and the radiologist yeah he really got a fright yeah a visual fright which was i was like okay obviously this guy doesn't get probably maybe doesn't get much of this sort of stuff like you know gets the basic stuff and all of a sudden it was um i don't know it's probably like the dream of somebody in a job like that like wow i've just i've just got the mother load here in terms of this scan and i'm sitting there going like just looking around i'm going I know I've had some some change here, but I'm I still feel I'm still going to go home and cook dinner and look after my kid. Like I, I feel okay. I've just yeah. got this slight uh, change in my vision, etc. And I was like, "Wow, wait, this guy's." And then he was like, "Okay, off you go." <laughs> um, I'm like, "Okay, well, clearly we're off, good to go." And and then we yeah get back and get the kids, and then the phone call comes, and then it's like, "What's going on here?" So we went through all of that and um, went back to. Um, Emergency and then spent the next six hours, seven hours, um, just waiting for um, the uh, assessment to occur. How are you you feeling about this, Laura, when it was all happening? I know we were kind of chatting while you had to wait for the news, but I guess once you heard about it and said that he could go home. and Yeah, we were uh, were pretty relieved that he could come home because as much as, like, there was a little bit of... um, panic panic yeah a little bit of panic tried to stay calm but like a part of you goes oh okay we've been waiting for this for since the cyst formed in august last year but when it comes to brain surgery i think there's always going to be a part of you that goes okay this is a lot and lee took the call while i was getting max from school so i didn't hear it and for him to say, oh, yeah, I've got to go to emergency, I was kind of like, okay, why? why? What did they say? Like, are we going in to get an MRI? Are we going in and you're getting admitted? And he's like, oh, they didn't say. But again, with these little short-term memory issues sometimes, I was like, did they say? And then I said, who was it that called? Oh, I'm not sure. Like, it was very, it was very... Um, a little bit stressful in just like that it happened when it happened because we had just been at the hospital we'd driven all the way home we were getting the kids we thought we were home for the weekend and then we had to get the kids looked after like it's not just him and I it's it affects you know the kids as well so um yeah once we had them sorted we were kind of more relieved driving in there thinking this is at least something's happening now Mm. And then when we left, we were, I don't know, we were pretty happy when we got to come home because as much as it wasn't new what they'd found on on the scan, it had been there for six weeks. It was just not really reported on on the MRI previously. So it wasn't new. So it wasn't like his symptoms were sudden and, and, and he was suffering from these new symptoms so when he could come home, we were pretty relieved. We were pretty happy on the way home. We were pretty happy yeah. to get KFC as well. <laughs> Nobody tell people that. 
KFC is always for the win. But the but it wasn't a twenty-one piece feed. It wasn't you know um, everything. I just had um, half a dozen uh, pieces of hot and spicy crispy chicken. That was it. Mate, don't you worry. There's going to be a big bucket of it waiting for you post surgery if you're capable of <laughs> of sitting up and eating <laughs> KFC. I'm sure there's plenty of people listening who are like, what? Anyway, it's uh, you know it's it's a tra- it's a tradition at this point. Um, Okay, so then you found out you could go home and then, so that was on the Friday. Now, I know that because I also got that phone call and I agree it's a little bit stressful and unsettling when you get those because you kind of don't know what what that means. And I know even as as family, you know, you're, you're sitting there going, but so what does it mean? What does everything, you know, what, you're, you're constantly trying to, like, what's the next piece of information for it? So I couldn't imagine what it's like, you know, for you guys alone sitting on the other side of it here where we go, okay, what next? So then fast forward and you went in Monday for uh, your vision test. Is that right? Yeah. Then the neurosurgeon that spoke to us on Friday night, um, he was so good and he actually called the next morning, didn't yeah. he? He called to check on him. So cute. And um, and said I'm booking in, yeah, um, with the ophthalmologist, which is at the eye clinic at Flinders for a Monday and then booking an appointment for neurosurgery to speak with you on Tuesday afternoon because they hold their team meetings Tuesday mornings um, and they were coming up with a plan for surgery, dates, a plan, could they get tumour out with the cyst, can they get the whole cyst, that kind of thing. So um, from there we had a couple of appointments this week where I had to go in and get um, just uh, go and see the eye doctors and do some basic stuff on um my vision, um, which has dropped off by 25%. In saying that, last time I had my vision ever checked, I don't think I ever have, so I don't know if that 25% has all occurred in this very short period or if it, but I dare say based on it probably has because I've never had an issue with vision or reading or so forth, but um, having to undergo that experience. What does it feel like? Like what, like what are you, what are you, uh, what seeing or not seeing you can i can certainly feel on the uh like on the perimeter i guess of my eye that it's um a little bit blurred like the vision is a little bit blurred but at the same time i still have like my peripheral is still there like i can see everything that's occurring when fingers are moving etc all of that sort of stuff but it's the finer details of um picking up small things like with some of the testing that you're having to do, it's really intense. <laughs> it's tiny, tiny little fragments that you're trying to pick up that are popping up in these scanners on your left, you're right up the top in front of you, different colours, different shades of colours, different spe- and all that sort of stuff. And you're, you're going, I've never had to do this before. It's like, this is, uh, it was almost like doing your first big, um, Geez, not that I've done any of these either, but at school, like going through your first test where you're a bit panicked about, I'm usually pretty good at this, but how am I going to go? So um, that was quite, it's quite stressful, <laughs> which sounds funny because it's the most simplistic thing that I've done thus far, but it was probably the most stressful thing to go, where am I at? And then we got to the end of um, the uh, eye tests and scans or whatever you want to call them, and they basically said, look, um, it's there's been a twenty five percent decrease. It's called a um, right superior hemianopia. Yeah, 
if anybody wants to know that information. But again, my smart wife picks up on the just tiny means. things that I don't actually it listen just, to or care about. It just means when you split each eyeball kind of into quarters, quarters, the right superior, so the right top side, he has no vision in. <laughs> so it came out of these tests and he was like, I think I did really well. And then we go in and see the doctor and she's like, so you've got no vision over here. And I was like, well, you thought you did well because you couldn't see it. So. Well, geez, I love how you just laugh at me and mock me in these situations. Um, um, you don't laugh at me. You don't laugh at me. But anyway, it was... Um, do you know what, though? It is, it's, actually, it's actually the part that is stressful about it, right? Because you can't make it up. Like when lie. you're sitting there and someone's going, yeah. can yeah. you see this yeah. or not see yeah. this? That is it. That is, it's a yes or no. And you can't lie about it. You can't be like, I haven't had a pre-thought to go, I know there's the letter H up in that corner. Like you have no idea. So no wonder it's stressful, but you're right. If you don't laugh, if you don't laugh about it now, I mean, the alternative is that you just get really upset. So it's. (laughs) And I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there through the whole time going, oh, gee whiz. Like I'm I'm sort of okay if there's some sort of vision change because I can see like I've still, I still, I think I've still got reasonably good vision. It's just those small details that you sort of um, lost and you like. So I'm okay with that because I can see everything that's occurring around me and you know and all the important stuff. Um, but reading and so forth is obviously it's a different. You know, I feel like, feel like an old man where I've got to hold it at a particular angle or I, I can't hold it up close. So I've got to shift it away from me. And it's like when we got to the end of it, the lady basically said. There's no guarantees with stuff like this in terms of how your vision recovers or if it does recover. What we can tell you at the moment is that um, your vision is more than likely, uh, it has been affected because of the pressure from your cyst in that area. So when that cyst disappears and the space then becomes more and there's less pressure, I guess the finger you know, cross the fingers and hope is that the vision starts to improve over time. They said that um, the cyst is compressing on the optic nerve and it's not that it's irreversible damage, but it just depends on how long it has been damaged for and the extent of the damage as to whether it can recover because it definitely can if it's kind of newer. So we hope that we got... Got it, got it in time because she said all the other nerves, his actual eyeballs, <laughs> the colours, his colour sensitivity, everything is really good. It's just that that particular that nerve, that one optic nerve, um, is yeah quite under quite some pressure. So once that pressure is relieved, it does have the ability to repair and recover, um, depending on the extent of the damage. Yep. So that's again, that's the uh, fine detail from. Um, I love it. Do you know what? This is what makes you a good team. It's good to get both sides. It, it, of the team. Uh, it is this, because if it was it's, left it's, up it's to me, it's your other teammate that keeps us updated. Yeah. yeah, if it was up to me, I'd be. I'd just come out of there and go. Oh yeah, they said. Sort of, yeah, I've got to be back on Tuesday, and they're going to cut my head open. Um, what are they doing? Well, I don't know. I just I guess the doctors doing. That's always been my approach, though, because I'm like, why go and mix. Uh, things that I have no uh, deep knowledge of or understanding of 
with people that do this at a professional level. I'll just trust, which sounds probably a bit na naive, for now to sit there and listen to somebody with a level of confidence and um, enthusiasm about it. It's actually, it's nice to, to leave that and go, well, I had a fair bit of belief in that we would uh, work through this and have the right approach to this and stay calm and relaxed and deal with things uh, when they occur and, and when they come up. And when they do, we'll just get through this and then sort of sit down and speak to somebody professionally about it and who to run through and say, this is what's going to be happening. It was like, sounds great, sounds great, tick the box, tick the box, let's get it done. When's it happening? Um, and that's when she said, right, okay, at this stage, your surgery will start on Monday. And for me, I was like, fantastic, because I don't miss state of origin, um, which is critical. Um, so that was... <laughs> um, People could only see Laura's facial response to this one. But okay, so hang on. <laughs> Before we get into your love of state of origin, we, we're missing an important point here, which is talk us through the conversation. We don't have to go into every fine detail of it, but what's the high level? What? Who did you speak to? What did they say to you? What's to come? What's the risk? What are you comfortable with? Like, Just give us a snapshot for people who don't know what that conversation was. The oncologist in the morning, um, Dr. Abbas, who I would normally meet with, he meets with um, the MDT, so the multidisciplinary team, which is a range of um, doctors and so forth that um, will sit as a team and, and go through and then I guess... I mean, I'll just pick a number and say, say they've got 15 people to look at. They'll look at those 15 people and then they'll prioritise where the level of issue between people and say, right, these are the people we need to address over the very, you know, near period, I suppose. So then uh, our oncologist, he then came back and, and we met with him at 10 o'clock. We saw him at 10. And he yeah. sat down and, and was quite, um, I don't know if buoyant is the word, but he was quite... Chipper. He was quite chuffed that he had sort of prompted and promoted this and that he he was the one that effectively sent me along to emergency and said, right, we need to promote this because they can tend to prolong things, I suppose. But for him, he was like, yeah, let's get this rushed along. So anyway, um, met with him, went through that. He explained to us what would be occurring um, and after looking at everything, he was quite, um, they'd come to the conclusion that there had been some reduction in terms of the actual uh, tumour and that it was, they were quite happy with that. And also, in a really weird manner, it started to explain that the cyst has now effectively created a, like an access uh, pathway to um, getting their hands on the tumour, whereas previously, if I didn't have that cyst, they can't touch it because they're actually then touching directly on the brain and, and there's a, a really high level of risk in terms of damage in those, in those areas, which was always the concern here. So it's it's almost like the cyst, after he explained it, um, it's almost like the cyst has created this little doorway to say, right, okay, here's your opportunity to go in and have a crack at getting some of it, half of it. Because they're joined. Because so they're they... joined, yeah, so yeah. they can access it easier. So went through that um, and then um, 
sat down with the head of neurology or what's your, that your neurosurgeon yeah my neurosurgeon will be doing the surgery yeah and went through effectively i guess a follow-up of a more detailed how of, of how it would work but the reassuring part with that was that it was quite quick um in terms of right um yeah, we're, we're pretty confident with them um, how we're approaching this they have to go obviously through these are the risks because there are risks with any surgery but they'll do that with a knee surgery um or any other surgery but with this obviously there's there's more stress but and more risk but her response and the way that she spoke about it was uh quite reassuring in terms of like there are risks but that they're, they're small um so this isn't certainly didn't send either of us away thinking i'm now going to spend the next x amount of days stressed yeah um feel quite reassured um uh, and quite comfortable which was really good it's nice to like i said it's hard to get that sort of um uh, information uh from uh, people in those positions and leave a place and feel Confident. comfortable confident reassured which is unusual can be unusual for doctors because they're so complex and highly intelligent individuals and they spend a huge amount of hours working in those spaces that quite often that personality or the connectivity with people can get lost but i think we've been quite lucky um both it's like that conversation that we had that time in terms of um, just having that that reminder for them when they come in and they sit down they have that conversation you know even though it's part of their everyday work and they're used to it the individual across from them you know there's likely their first time i hope for them it's their first time and therefore how do you approach this and how do you reassure them in that in that process so in terms of what they have they've said to you so you've got the surgery coming up it's booked for monday it's given an opportunity because of the size of the cyst to be able to go through the cyst and hopefully pull some of all of bits of that tumor out um, with the cyst ideally not yeah yeah hoping for that and in terms of the actual surgery itself you said it's quite small right like it's not having to kind of cut your head right open they're going to be accessing through the same place that you had your surgery an extension effectively of that where the first surgery occurred so now they're going to turn that into a i don't know let's just call it a golf ball size um in that space where they can completely remove um part of your skull uh and then they'll go in and they um i guess they use like a gps i suppose it's kind of like where they can uh view and see you know the areas they need to to work on whereas in my and 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 as you can remember the people that i when i first went to a hospital in brisbane and not a um collective group of individuals that all had different treatments to the, their brains for different things on your ward on my ward that were really um very entertaining um interesting um people that actually helped me through sort of i guess that week and made it quite a an easier experience one of the ladies that was there she would have had oh take a punch she would have had about 80 maybe 90 staples across her skull like from one end to the other opened up and i thought that's me mm. so um you know what i'm going to do i'm going to shave my head before i go in because i don't want to come out with like i did last time with this big bit of hair on one side and then not on the other side and so 
Sounds like a dumb question, but we said. Yeah, we it's said. It's quite fashionable. So is it smart for us to just go in and just get my head shaved before we go? And she goes, no, no, no. Don't touch it. I mean, you can get it cut, but what we don't want to do is create any sort of um, uh, like injury or cut or a bleed or anything if in that gets, space. So if he gets a nick, then that's um, like more. He's more prone to infection. Action. So yeah. they'll use the cut from the biopsy that they and then they incorporate that cut into a bigger area. And I did ask how big it would be, but she said they won't know until the day when they use their little GPS devices on his head. It kind of reminds me of like a little metal detector where it like beeps and it can see through and tells them where everything is and where to cut kind of. So they, they want to incorporate that original cut so that the skull doesn't end up with, you know, crisscrossing um just a meter. Yeah. We'll call it a meter package. A meter package, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's where it sort of ended up. So it was quite a, um, I don't know, reassuring process, yeah. I guess, that that's what's going to be occurring. And um... so you feel reassured, which I think I definitely picked up on in the conversation we had. How are you feeling, Laura? Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely went away from it all feeling very good just the way that um the neurosurgeon spoke and it and it makes such a difference actually meeting the actual person who will be doing the operation as well so um that's a bit more calming as well she just had no doubt in her mind when she spoke like she just had no doubt at all running through the risks and things so um very matter of fact about yeah about everything and then there's obviously a lot of post-surgery um my ability to heal and recover but um again from the first time that this occurred of if there's any area that i'm confident in certainly not my ability to um, understand everything that's happening because i don't want to delve into that uh, really deep information but my ability to um recover has always been good um and strong in that space and my uh, i guess mental approach to it um and uh, has always been uh, one of positivity and, and strength and and i feel really reassured that again if they do their best job at their end i'll do my best job at my end and and i know that if we both do that then it's gonna um it'll be uh, it'll be a good thing so um yeah going on monday How long does the um, surgery go for? Do you know? Uh, quite, a few hours. quite a few hours. Can be more. They don't really know till they're in there. So yeah, yeah. So um, okay. Yeah, so and then have... in terms of recovery, you have a week in the hospital uh, after that. Uh, roughly, um, yeah, about a week. They say five um, to six days. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they don't know exactly. It depends on how. Um, the recovery goes um all of that over the last week whilst it is because you've got to sit there and look at um when those things occur um there's there's always a level of optimism in yourself and strength that i'm this i'm going to get through this and it's okay and then there's those thoughts of um 
I'm sure there's a lot of people that have said that, and then that doesn't occur. But um, and then a lot of thoughts are, you know around um, my wife and, and my children and and all of those, uh, my family and my friends and all that sort of stuff that you start to think about. But it's it's funny how if you spend enough time at a hospital or I had a friend of mine that came around last night to pick up a car that we had borrowed for a short period of time and, and he's got two young kids that have, um, and I, I won't go into the depth of their um, difficulties, but they have got a couple of kids that um, require high-level um, care and support and so forth. And, and when you sit down and you speak with people that are going through other stresses in life, and um, difficulties and kind of just brings everything back into some level of reality and um, and levels things out for you a little bit that whilst you think it's just about you and your stress that there are so many people that go through these different things of different range of things um, and some people are really lucky to have the people around them that help support you and connect you and do whatever they need to do to make you and your experience, I suppose, feel connected and strong. But then there are a lot of people, um, and you know, even in the emergency the other night, there were, you see older people in there without anyone else in there helping them. And it just, uh, you look at stuff like that and think, geez, that breaks your heart to see people that don't have the love and connection of others that are there to help them when they need it yeah that is heartbreaking or well, the i have to say i'll admit fairly good the whole way had the conversation with you guys friday night probably padded that a little bit by being a little bit trivial with a few conversations we were having just to avoid the intensity of what the actual conversation was hence telling you about my washing machine problems at the time in response to you going to hospital I said you think you've got problems you should see what I'm doing with this bloody washing machine because <laughs> I didn't know what to do I was like I need to avoid this because I don't I've been specifically told not to get upset in front of you so I was like all right yeah no all good and then got through the weekend and process process got to Monday and then Monday morning had a little moment while sitting there at my desk trying to do work at home and then just kind of let it all loose and broke down. And thank God I had my support there. So I had Borhan who I could go to. Have you had uh, any ugly bathroom crying moments, Laura? Are you, no, uh, are you I, holding together okay? I had one a little while ago, actually. Um, I had booked um, <laughs> some family photos in um, by this photographer that I found on Instagram, wanted to get some nice family photos, knowing that surgery was inevitable in the future. Um, wanted to get some yeah nice family photos done and um, booked her. She sent me a questionnaire to kind of get to know our story and get to know the family and that kind of thing. And I was filling it out while we watched a movie one night and I got to the last question and um, I just sat there and I just started, I started getting teary and I kept looking at Lee and he had no idea. So I was like, the question was, um, how, how do you, oh no, I don't want to cry when I say it, but it, the question was, how do you want to feel when you look back at these photos in 20 years? And I just, I just, I, I just did not know what to say because obviously, you know, statistics, um, 
statistics are there. Um, not saying that they'll apply to us, but um, statistically, in twenty years, will we will we have Lee here with us? I'm not sure. So, <laughs> I removed myself from the lounge room and I went and cried in the bathroom for probably like. It was like a big, ugly, sobbing cry. Oh, mate, on the couch, no idea. No idea at all. And then I came out, checked the room on the spine, yep, went back in for a bit longer, and then Max came in to see where I was. <laughs> and, Max, and then, you know, you want to pull it together. You don't want to be like that. He doesn't want us to be like that in front of him, and I, I don't think I have been, but um, you, you definitely don't want to see your kids like, have your kids see you like that and then so I pulled myself together I was washing my face and Max said mum what happened to your eyes you look like a zombie <laughs> I was like mum's just got itchy eyes <laughs> anyway I came back out and I had a cuddle and I kept crying for a little bit in front of Lee probably the first time I've cried in front of him to be honest yeah, you broke the rule, didn't you? Yeah, I broke the rule. But couldn't be- I could not believe it, but it was... Just couldn't pull myself together. And I-, I did know that she was off crying. I did know she was off crying, but I understand that um, there's moments where you need that on your own, that uh, you don't need someone to come and give you a cuddle because you're probably going to turn around and go, just piss off and leave me alone while I can just howl my bloody lungs out for the next... <laughs> and I get that, but... So also, like at my end, like that, it's quite hard because I've got what's in front of me and, and how I process it. But then you've got all these people around you that um, have no control, nor do I. But people want to have control, and and when you can't, it's that like horrible um, feeling of like, what do I do? How do I influence this? And my family and friends I guess I've been really and my wife in particular been really lucky that we've kept some humour mm. through this where we can because it's the one thing that I think is important in whatever you do is um, like enjoyment I, and having a laugh where you can and when you can and then you're always going to have a meltdown moment or a meltdown time and that's okay but you always want to return to that space of um, asking your surgeon to um scrape a little bit of his speech away while they're in there. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, this is my plan. In the football section, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which part's the part about yeah. football? I don't want to hear any more about it. Can you say that? Oh, that's... <laughs> but do you know it's funny actually I was feeling I was feeling a bit unsettled about it. and the funniest part is the, per- the only person who made me get back to being feeling a little bit remotely optimistic was you Lee like that was it because I had conversations I ha- I, I purposely don't go down that pathway I don't let my head go there I, I appreciate and, ex- and respect that that reality may exist I just we're not in it so or or we're not there now so therefore I'm just going to be here and I think not going into that reality has been my coping mechanism but then when I when I felt overwhelmed and emotionally went there for a moment and just went do you know what as as much as as deep as you can go as as spiritual as you want to be in the conversation as much as you can try and make sense of things and 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 build off your own beliefs and your own ideas and of of what you believe life to be and 
the life to come and all those sorts of things, you can still be really freaking human sometimes where you just go, but I don't want to live in that reality without this, if that's a reality that was there, you know? Um, and I found that going through all that moment, having that little outburst <clears throat> and then coming back again, the optimist only returned once I spoke to you and it was through you being reassured in yourself because I went, this is about you anyway. This isn't about me. This is actually about my brother. So the, the the flip side to it was you're feeling reassured. Awesome. That's all that matters. You're feeling confident. Awesome. That's all that matters. How can I be there for you? What do you need? You know, that type of response to it. And I think it's interesting for anyone else who might be going through it. That's probably been an important part is accept and, and process your moment, but then come back to the person at hand, the person who's actually going through it and realize the reason this is so overwhelming is it's that sobering reminder, you know, it's that sobering reminder, the same one that I had at my auntie's funeral only a few weeks ago where I stood in front of everyone and had to do a, a you know, eulogy, do a speech and said the same thing. Said this is this is the only guaranteed thing for all of us in this room here. And it's a sobering reminder of that that life is so bloody precious. Like so precious. So whatever you're doing right now with your time, with your people, whatever it might be, do it, savor it, find joy in it. Like just love every moment of it where you can. And if you're having those downtimes, accept it, process it, find your way through it, but then come back again. And I think that was what it was, was having that conversation with you. And then we started laughing and chatting about stuff and you're feeling, yep, yep. It's, 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 you know, this is what we know and this is what we're going to do. And I feel good with it. It was like, okay, good. All right, let's get back there. I want to live there again. <laughs> let's, let's get yeah, back to that. You had a, you said you had a little moment on Thursday night. Uh, yes. Um, I did have a little moment on the weekend, but it was, um, oh, it's, it, look, it, uh, I suppose it's, my mates have a giggle about this and, um, because I'm very different, I guess, to what I used to be and you tend to, um, change your perspective on, uh, love and connection and, what people mean to you and all that sort of stuff. And um, and I've had a few moments where I've looked at my wife and gone, and my, and my kids, obviously, but I don't have my kids without my wife. So, and that happens with everybody. Like, without that partner, that first one connection, you don't get the other bits and pieces that come with it. And for me, I'm, inc I'm incredibly lucky that I've got the wife and the partner and the friend that I have that makes me feel uh, comfortable and confident in being strong about this, whereas there's a lot that don't have that. And so for me, the other night I had a bit of a, I was like, I know I'm always strong in this space, and but I'd looked at her a few times and thought, I don't, I don't ever want to not look at you. I don't ever not want to not have you in my life. I don't ever... It's hard to, it's not being disrespectful to my kids because I, I love them more than anything in the world. But I don't have them without her. So I always refer back to that and think, um, make the most of your moments with your friends and the people that are around you because you do not, don't ever assume. I didn't assume that I'd be in this space and I'm, I'm pretty sure that everybody else goes through this stuff, doesn't assume that they're going to have this infinite amount of time 
to experience the people around you in the manner in which you should. And um, we tend to worry about the little things and complain about the small things and, 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 and details that don't really matter, but the ones that do matter are the um, relationships that you share and the connections you have with people. And I'll probably, you know, the only thing I probably didn't mention that I probably lot really quickly should have just uh, all the different people that have um, my friends and, and people that I've known that have connected with us over the last periods of time and, and are always providing reassuring comments on the C word. And it's actually like it means a lot more than you anticipate or you understand. And it's, oh, I might not get back to people because I'm terrible. Like I don't even text my partner back in an appropriate time after time because I read it and unless it says football, I just put it back down. So, um, but I've been incredibly lucky to have that many. Yeah, I've been incredibly lucky to have that many people around me and um, support me. And even to the point of without getting into football, the oh. people that I do coach with and, and in particular our senior coach, um, his wife uh, has gone through um, cancer during her time. So to have someone that I can coach with and spend time with and connect with in his um, rammer is incredibly uh, supportive and strong and um, not just for me but for my family and allowing me to continue, I guess, be active in this space of football. Not at the moment, um, but we'll be back at some stage in the in the future. So um, very blessed in that space to have all of those people that constantly reach out to me. So thank you very much to everybody that that does that beautiful i think that is a wonderful place to end uh so good to catch up with you guys i will obviously see you this weekend uh i'm coming on down pre-surgery um but yeah amazing and uh as you would say to jay and jay would say to jay and jay would say to you and you would jay and jay and you and love ya <laughs> love ya <laughs> love ya love ya